So I want you to open to the book of John. We're going to look in two prime places, uh, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, speaking of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in your life. We want to talk about the reality of the Holy Spirit. Many of you here have been taught probably more than you can ever store in your mind um, about the Holy Spirit. You know the verses. You know what's going on. You know, you, you, man, you've read the books. You know, you know everything there seems to be about the Holy Spirit. And yet, there is a reality to who He is that's got to get bigger in our hearts. And I mean that because if the Holy Spirit was as real to you as He's meant to be, your life would be so changed every day. Now I realize it is. Many of you say the Holy Spirit is real to me. And He is changing me. Praise the Lord. He's going to become more real by the end of this service. Is that good? Is that alright? Because He's real because we're reading the Word. And He is on that Word. He's in that Word. And so His Word makes it even more alive. If the Holy Spirit is so alive to you that you can barely get off your bed without dancing to the bathroom, that's cool. He's going to get more real. You're going to walk out of here saying, He's even bigger to me than He was when I came in. That's what we do. We grow and we never want to get to the point where we've said, I know all there is to know about God. Because then you've just made God very small. So let's go to John chapter 14. The last few chapters of John, in fact, almost you know, a big chunk of John, John 12 onwards is some of Jesus' literal last teachings to His disciples. This is the last week of His life. This is right near the end. And there's, uh, He's been telling them all His ministry. I'm, I'm going, but they haven't been getting it. They still think he's going to establish an earthly kingdom. And he's going to be King Jesus. He's going to be the Messiah because they know the prophecies that the Messiah is going to come with a rod of iron. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. The kid's going to stick his hand in the adder's nest and be fine. They say this is what happens when the Messiah comes. Absolutely. What they didn't realize is that there's a whole age in between the time he came the first time and the time he comes the second time. In fact, one of the chapters we're going to read later on today, Isaiah 11, looks at, looks at the Messiah from the broad view, everything He's going to be. So when we see Him in Isaiah 11, we see who He was when He walked the earth, who He is right now, and who He's going to be when He sets up this earthly kingdom that, that we can actually see. Now you see, His kingdom is real. It is, it is here. But there is another, there's another kingdom coming. The earth will be rolled up like a scroll. The heavens and the earth will pass away. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be a new Jerusalem. And all of these things will come to pass. And He will rule with a rod of iron. He will be the king. He will, at some point, make it so that every knee bows. That hasn't happened yet. But it will. So we have to think of Jesus... Not just as He was, but as He is and as He will be. He's the same Jesus, right? But there are just different ages and different times. And right now we're in this age of the church, this age of grace, this age of whatever you want to call it. We're in the time following His first coming, waiting for His second coming. That's like the greatest time to be alive. He's already come. You've received His fullness. And you're awaiting His second coming with hope, with expectation, with joy. That's cool. But He's trying to get across to His disciples, I'm going away. I'm not going to be here. 
It's the last week and they still haven't got it. They're still shocked. When they come, when the, when the, uh, the other guys come the, and, the, and the, the guards of the temple, they come to arrest Jesus, the disciples still think, this is where we make our stand. This is where we fight them off and finally take the kingdom. They're still not grasping that he's got to die, he's going to be risen again, and he's going to go away. I told the, the Loon Lakers this on Sunday night, that I have had... Uh, the privilege of growing up and being able to be discipled as a disciple of Jesus, but also being mentored by a, a, a minister that, that uh, knew a lot, was able to show me a lot, and that was my father. I was able to travel with dad. It be like an apprentice, you know? T uh, Paul says about Timothy that Timothy served him like a child serving his father. Well, that was literal to me. I was a son serving his father, both physically and spiritually. This is, this is what I did. And as I traveled with Dad, you got the overall feeling that this guy knows everything. And I'm not just talking about encyclopedia. You know, like Jerry Savelle called them the walking encyclopedia. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about wisdom. You know, not just knowledge, but wisdom. I felt like if any, in any circumstance, in any situation I'd find myself in, we'd be fine. Because he always knows what to do. I never seen him go. <gasps> I never saw him panic. I never, you know, we just. I always felt like we're going to be fine. And the disciples going with Jesus all their life. Well, all their life. At, sorry, three years. All their life in ministry. Let's say that. As they travel with Jesus, they're like, you know, as long as we're with him, we're fine. I mean, he, if he goes and he tells that crippled man to get up, the man's going to get up. We'll be fine. If they're trying to kill us, well, they're trying to kill him too. And if he's, I mean, if he dies, we die. But if he doesn't die, we're alive too. This is good. doesn't matter what happens. We're with Jesus. I felt that way going a lot. I mean, you know, not that dad was Jesus, but boy, he came close in a lot of areas to me as a kid, thinking, I can go to these reserves, and if we don't have a place to stay, I'll be fine. Dad knows what to do. And even in greater sense, in meetings where you didn't know what was going to happen next, or a guy, demon-possessed guy comes out and wants to kill you, you're not afraid, because dad's here. And dad's dealt with the meanest, cruelest, spittingest, varmint demons you've ever seen, right? <laughs> so they come out, they got to go through him. And so I can just sit back and watch and eat popcorn. This is fine. Even when the disciples were sent out two by two, they said, well, Jesus is back there praying for us, and he wouldn't send us into a situation that we couldn't handle. They came back rejoicing. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. But they're feeling like he is here, we're covered. He knows what to do in every circumstance. He knows what to do. Then he says, I'm going away. And all of a the sudden, there's this dread, like, no, you can't go away. What are we going to do? Because as long as you're here, we know what to do. Where you go, we're able to walk right behind you. We know what the back of your head looks like, and we can follow you. If you're going to Samaria, we're going to Samaria. If you're going over here, we're going over here. If you're crossing the sea, we'll wake you up and say, don't you care that we're dying, but we at least know you're in the boat. 
We've all felt like this at some point. But there was a great security that they found in Jesus being physically there with them. Then he says, I'm going away. And where I go, you can't go. But I do go and prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. This is freaky. This is scary. Let's read as he's walking them through this in John chapter 14. He says in verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Now there's the shocker right there. The reason he's going to do the same things I do, the reason he's going to do greater things than I've done, is because I go away. This is what they weren't getting, is because I go away, you'll do great things. That made no sense to them, because up to this point they said, because you're here, we can do great things. But he goes, when I go away, you'll be able to do great things. In fact, greater things than I've even done. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus had no ability to do the greater things. Doesn't doesn't mean that they're outranking Jesus or outclassing him. But there is something that's going to change when he breaks the key, takes the keys of death, hell, and the grave. There's something that's going to change when he's risen from the dead and given the name above all names. So he says, the reason, the, 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 the way you're going to be able to do all of this is because I go. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's a big thought. Have you ever read Jesus' commandments? You may say, well... His commandments, like he said, my commandments are not burdensome, my burden is light. But you read the Sermon on the Mount? When he talks about, you know, you've heard it said, this is what the law says. Now here's what I'm saying, go way past that. You've heard it say, you've heard it say um, that you're supposed to, you know, I mean, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I'm telling you, if somebody smacks you, you turn the other cheek. I mean, he, he gives you all of these examples, and... That would have been impossible to do in the flesh. It would have been impossible to do under the law. The only way you can do this is by grace. In other words, God's power imparted to you. The only way you can do all this stuff is by the Spirit. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If he had stopped there, this would be a difficult task. But he doesn't. He says, verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. So here's, here's the thing. He says, you'll do greater things than I've done. You'll keep all my commandments. And here's how. I'm going to the Father, and I'm sending you another helper. Now notice he says another. Why does he say another? Because what he was to them, the Holy Spirit was going to be in their lives. What they knew in Jesus, they were going to know in the Holy Spirit. He had been that person to them up to this point. He was the helper. He was alongside them. He was empowering them. He was showing them what to do. He was leading them where they needed to go. He was everything they needed. 
But he's going to go to the Father and he's going to send a helper. Another helper. And here's what he says. That he may be with you forever. Now this is a promise of Jesus Himself. He's going to be with you. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you forever. No longer do you have to pray what David said. Lord, do not take Your Spirit from me. It's not going to happen. He's going to be with you forever. Verse 17 says this. That is the Spirit of truth. Now He is the Spirit of truth. And that's one of the things we look for all the time. We go through our daily life, and we're not just trying to find truth as in, you know, what is truth, what's, what's right, what's wrong. We're also trying to find out, what do I do today? How, how do I handle this situation? How do I act in this situation? What do I do with my kids? What do I do with my job? And the Spirit of truth has come to do exactly what Jesus did to the disciples. The Spirit of truth is here to do for you. But He has to be so real to us that He's just as real as if we had Jesus physically walking around with us. He says this. He says, This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He abides with you. So He's not saying He, are, he will abide with you. He says He already abides with you. How is the Holy Spirit abiding with them right now? When they're hearing this, how is He abiding with them? He's in Jesus. Right? He's in Jesus, and as Jesus is walking, they've already gotten to know the Holy Spirit. He abides with you and will be in you. Now, this is why it's going to be better for you if He goes up. Because right now, He's with you, but He's going to be in you. And here's what He says. Listen, this is such a powerful verse. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I want you to hear that because this is what they were thinking. They have had a father and he's, been, he's going to be taken away. In their minds, dad's going away. The one who has the answers. The one who showed us where to go. The one who told us what to do. The one who gave us everything we needed. Provided for us physically. Provided for, gave us bread. Gave us food. He, he showed us how to pray. Who to pray for. He empowered us to pray. He's going away. And if he were to go away, and that would be the end of the story, they would be orphans. But he's not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now you can say, is this talking about the resurrection? Certainly it could be. But in direct context, what's he been talking about? The Holy Spirit. How are you not an orphan? You have the Spirit of Jesus. And this is the thing. There was a period of time, a very short period of time, it may have been mere seconds in my mind, well, when my father went to be with the Lord, I thought, what am I going to do now? And immediately the Holy Spirit rose up and said, you're not an orphan. You're not fatherless. Now that may be a nice cliche pat answer. Put it in a day spring card and give it to somebody. But until it's revealed by the father himself, there's not much you can do. Because you can, you, can give, you can try to comfort and help somebody with that. But to me, it was not just a, there, there, you have a heavenly Father. You know, sometimes when we say that, it's, it's so pat that it almost has no power. Oh, you have a heavenly Father. 
Now, now, if you mean it and you're, get, you're speaking it with power, do not be condemned. Say, yes, I'm going to say that because that is a powerful thing to say. What I'm saying is sometimes we say it without thinking of how powerful that is. We say, oh, there, you, you have a dad. We say it in the same way that somebody would say it is, you know, I mean, we, we almost say it like the Lion King. You know, Mufasa is always with you. You know, that kind of stuff doesn't fly. When somebody says, oh, you lost your, you lost your mom. Well, you know, she's always with you. Really? Really? Because she's gone on to her reward in heaven. Presumably if she went to heaven. She's gone on to her reward. She's worshiping at the throne of Jesus. But instead of doing that, she'd rather go to school with me and sit next to me in the desk as the teacher talks. Are you telling me that my, that my mom, who is in the very presence of Jesus Christ, would rather stay and sit on the couch with me as I watch TV? Really? We just say that because it sounds nice. It's a nice Hallmark Channel thing to say. Oh, they're with you, aren't they? When's the last time you felt empowered by your mother to do something? <laughs> now you say my mom's still here. Can you imagine? All right, let's, let's go back. Let's think about your great-grandmother. Your great-grandmother. Your great-grandmother makes a, a beautiful banana cream pie. And somebody's told you, hey, your great-grandmother's always with you. So you go into the kitchen, you know nothing about cooking, and you say, Great-grandmother, you're always with me. Now let me make this banana cream pie. I don't need a recipe. Great-grandmother's with me. It doesn't work. So we can say, oh, they're with you. Isn't that sweet? But when the Spirit of the Lord rises up in you and you say, I am not fatherless, when He said that to me, I did not think Dad David Bounds was going to be with me for the rest of my life. I knew that the same Father that fathered him is fathering me. I knew that the Holy Spirit that was going to lead me and guide me and where I had followed my dad, I needed to learn to follow the Spirit. Because David Bounds cannot do for me what the Holy Spirit could do for me. There is no pastor you'll ever have, no prophet you'll ever follow, no evangelist you'll ever be inspired by that can replace the Holy Spirit in your life. And I, as a pastor, and I'm sure Pastor Brownie would say the same thing, refuse to be put in the position of the Holy Spirit for you. I am not the Holy Spirit. I don't know, I don't know even close to the things He knows. I don't know what you need. I don't know. I, I can be a pastor through His power, through the Spirit, through faith. I can do what I am called to do, but I am not called to be a replacement for the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? This means that while you call your pastor for godly counsel, for wisdom, for advice, for correction even, they don't replace the Spirit's counsel in your life. Because there's going to be situations where you don't have time to dial that number. And even if you did have time, they may not know the complex situation you've just stepped into. The Holy Spirit does. Does this mean you don't seek counsel? Absolutely not. Because the same Holy Spirit can work through them to speak into your life. Through the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact is established. God uses godly counsel. But He does not replace Himself with that godly counsel. So here we are. Jesus is saying, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You're not going to be walking through this life orphaned. You're going to be kept. You're going to be fathered. 
You're going to be led. You're going to be guided. He says, after a little while, the world will no longer see me. Listen to this. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. What does disclose mean? Disclose means to show, to reveal things that are hidden. To disclose is to take something that was previously unseen and make it seen. And when Jesus says, I will disclose myself to you, he's saying, I will show you Parts of me and things about me you didn't know even when I walked with you physically. I will disclose myself to you. What does this say to you? This, this, says, this says to me that even the people that knew him for three years were never left his side, did not know him as much as they were going to know him once they had the Spirit. Now that's how real the Holy Spirit needs to be to you. Because we walk so much by these five physical senses that we think in order to know someone, we need to spend so much time with them. That's absolutely true. With our friends, with our family, everything like that. But we think that if we wanted to know Jesus the best, the best way to get to know Him would have been to be one of those disciples. Oh, they knew Him. They walked with Him. And yet He says, you don't know me like you're going to know me. When the Spirit comes, you're going to know me so much more than you know me now. Huge. That's big. But that means the Holy Spirit's got to be real to you. Not just uh, a goosebump. <laughs> not just, uh, not just a, a warm, fuzzy feeling at the right time. But a daily guide, counselor, helper. We'll get into that in a moment because we're going to read um, later on in verse 23. Or, I'm sorry, let, you know, let's just keep reading. Let's do it organically. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? In other words, he doesn't get, they're still thinking that Jesus is going to come into his kingdom on this earth. Right then. That, that this was just the beginning of what he was going to do. He was going to show who he really was. The world was going to know him. They're not thinking that they would, you mean that, that he disclosed himself to them and the world wouldn't see it. That's not even in their brains right now. They think that, you know, he's going to come and he's going to rise up like the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to overthrow Herod. He's going to overthrow the Romans. And he's going to say, my kingdom now. And the world's going to go, oh, you're the king of kings. But this is what he's saying. He says, no, 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 no. The world won't see me for a while. Now because he's, he is coming again, isn't he? He says, for a while, the world won't see me, but you'll see me, and you'll know me. And uh, uh, Judas says, you know, what's going to happen that this is going to happen? In verse 23, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him, or make our house, or make our tent. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which... You hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. There's things they haven't even been taught in these three years walking with Jesus that the Holy Spirit's going to teach them. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. So they've got two sources here, don't they? 
They've got the words he's already said to them. The Holy Spirit's going to bring those back to their memory. And they've got things they, don't even, they haven't even heard yet. The Apostle Paul would be an example of this. The Apostle Paul did not walk with Jesus while he was on the earth. But then he was given this great revelation that Peter was given as well. That this message was to the Gentiles as well. This was a brand new thing for them. And this was something that Jesus didn't even really talk about. But he said, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. And he said, he'll teach you all things and bring to remembrance that which I have spoken to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You have heard that I said to you, if I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you will, would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. Now he goes on and he begins to speak about what it means to abide in him and abide with him. And it's not a coincidence that he talks about abiding in him right after he tells them about the Holy Spirit. That's not just, you know, he's ADD going from subject to subject. This ties in together. You cannot abide in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Can't happen. Just doesn't happen. That's why you receive the Spirit. The moment you got born again, you receive the Spirit. Now, Hopefully, after you got born again, you allowed the Holy Spirit, you got baptized in that Holy Spirit and got filled with the Spirit. But you received the Spirit of Jesus the moment you got born again because the Scripture says, how can anyone say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God? You can't do it. So here's what he says. And let's go to verse 15. Sorry, verse 16. In verse 15 he talks about uh, them abiding in the vine. He talks about the disciples' relationship with the world. The world's going to hate you like they hated me. And he also says in the end of chapter 15 that when the Helper comes, uh, he will testify to you about me. But now let's look in chapter 16 and verse 5. He says, But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Why has sorrow filled their heart? He's going away. And they need Him. They know they need Jesus. So they're, they're freaked out because everywhere He went, we went. Everything He told us to do, we did. What are we going to do now? Sorrow has filled their heart. He goes, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. Now I want you to think about this. How many of you would love for Jesus to live at your house, sleep on your bunk bed, go to work with you? Yeah? Right? We'd all want that, right? But do you know you that would be worse than what you have the opportunity to have now? It's better that he's not here. Because if He's not here, He sends the Spirit to us. Now that may sound like an extreme thought. You go, I almost whispered it when I said it so that nobody else hears it. But this is what He said. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do, I can send my Spirit to you. Now you may say, well, of course it's to... Because if there's only one of Him, how can He be in Israel and Canada at the same time, right? But He, he said this just to 12 guys. It, to you, 12. Now, it's for all of us, but he just said, even to you, 12, it's better for you if I'm not here. 
Now, the reason most of us gasp at that and go, that can't be true. It's better that we don't have a physical Jesus walking around with us, pastoring our church. I'd love for Jesus to be the pastor of this church. But he said, it's better if I'm not, because I'm giving you each the Holy Spirit. That there's a version of me in every believer that will receive it. And it's better. Now you see, as long as we still gasp at this, as long as we still want physical Jesus, we're not grasping how real the Holy Spirit is. As long as you say, no, I still think it would be better for Jesus to live on my bunk bed, you're not grasping how real the Spirit He gave you is. Because that Spirit is so real, it's just as good, in fact, better than if He was physically here with you right now. Now, of course that sounds crazy if you treat the Holy Spirit like a mood ring, or you treat the Holy Spirit like a, you know, Tamagotchi. Remember those? Those little pets that you... Or a pet rock, Brent. I mean... <laughs> that you pull out and polish every now and then or you, 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 know, you, you bring out during praise and worship. But the Holy Spirit is meant to be to you what Jesus was to them. Even greater because He's not just with you. He's in you. So until you can see how big the Holy Spirit is, how real He is, you'll still think it would be better to have Jesus physically walking around. But Jesus Himself said, that's not better. It's better that I go up here because if I go up here, I send him down and he's in you. See, Jesus didn't do anything on that planet, on this planet, without the aid, anointing, help of the Holy Spirit. That's how they knew the Holy Spirit, because he was always operating in the Holy Spirit. You see, they were led by Jesus, right? Now, they, they, like I said, they walked. Where he went, they went. When he said, bring the children to me, they brought the children to him. This is an easy way to live, right? You don't even have to make decisions. You just let him make all the decisions and you're covered. So this is great. I mean, where he goes, we go. What he tells us to say, we say. When he says, pray for these people, we will. And we know we'll be fine because he's right here. But did you know that Jesus was following someone at the same time? As they were following the back of his head, he was being led by the Holy Spirit going wherever the Father told them to go. How did the Father communicate with Jesus? Through the Spirit. How did the Father empower Jesus to do what He did? By the Spirit. Because He says in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do, and then He names everything He's going to do while He's on the planet. Everything He did, everything He said, was empowered, directed, and, and, and done through the Holy Spirit. That's the same Spirit He gave to you. So, we got to learn to walk like Jesus walked. Instead of looking at the back of a physical head that we can follow, we got to look at the unseen Spirit and be led by that Spirit, just as real as if Jesus were with us. How would your day change if Jesus lived in your house? It would change, wouldn't it? If Jesus lived in your basement, what would you do differently? Why? Because you see Him. And because you see Him, you act differently. 
Because he's around, you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of Jesus, so we're not going to watch that movie that insults his name. So, because he's here, I am not going to talk to my wife like she's lower than me, because I know Jesus doesn't like that. Because he's here, I'm going to go to church and rejoice because Jesus is right here. But he says that the Spirit is with me right now, and he's going to be with you. I'm not leaving you as orphans. He will lead you in guide you into all the truth the spirit is to you what Jesus was to the disciples even greater because he's not with you he's in you so how would you act if Jesus lived in your basement act like that now because the spirit is in you now if Jesus took you to the mall by the hand and said we're going to the mall and we went to Orange Julius and he said lay your hands Jesus physically was there said lay your hands put your hand on mine and we're going to lay it on the hot dog lady's head You'd do it, wouldn't you? Now, what if the Holy Spirit says, lay your hand on that hot dog lady's head, and my hand will be on you? You'd do it. If Jesus were with you, would you ever come up with your own plans for the day? Would you ask him what the plan was? Would you say, here's what we're doing, Jesus, today? Or maybe he gives you a plan, you go, I got some adjustments to that plan. Don't you think the Holy Spirit's able to give you the same plan? Were you given the Holy Spirit in, in less measure than everybody else? Was He given to you in part? No, because the Scripture says of His fullness we've received. Of everything He was we've received. He has held nothing back from you. Jesus did not say you get part of me. He said you get all of me. So He's not just part-time Holy Spirit. He's full-time. And if He's full-time... He's going to lead you whenever and wherever He wants to go. And He's going to do it 24 hours a day. Does this mean the Holy Spirit's not going to let you go fishing? Absolutely not. Jesus took the disciples fishing. Right? He may take you to the amusement park. That's not a problem. But you're going to go in His power and His strength and His anointing. And you know what? There may be some carnies that get born again while you're there. Maybe you'll get... Maybe you'll stop calling them carnies. That seems disrespectful. Until we can say, as Jesus said, it's better that I'm not here. We have not grasped how real the Spirit is. This means that you've got to reverence the Holy Spirit like you would reverence Jesus. You are loved by the Holy Spirit. You know that? Jesus loved you, right? Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you too. They're the same. They're one. So the love that He has for you, the Holy Spirit has for you. He is not a cruel taskmaster. He's not a slave driver. He's not a dictator. He is the lover of your soul. He is the creator. The Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that hovered over the deep. And when the Father gave the Word, the Spirit went to work. That's the same Spirit in your life. Now, don't think He's going to tell you to do something that's bad for you. He loves you. There's got to be a reverence for that. There's got to be a fear of the Lord. A good fear. Not a run away from Him fear, but a come close to Him fear. Because that Holy Spirit is so real. This means that you have got to listen to His voice 
just as much as you'd listen to Jesus if he was talking directly to you and you heard him with your physical ears. What's the difference now? We live by faith. We walk by the Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't need these paddles on the side of your head to hear everything. The Spirit speaks to your spirit. Now, we got to exercise this thing so that this Spirit hears just as well as this ears. In fact, better. We've got to exercise this thing so this Spirit sees the things that our eyes can't see. We've got to exercise this thing so the Spirit feels what our hands can't feel because that's how real the Spirit is. You are a Spirit. We just forgot that. This is part of Satan's plan from the beginning. Tell them. Rob them of their dominion and convince them they are only beasts and animals. We act, when we're not born again, we act like animals. We do whatever feels good, whatever our instincts tell us to do. There are songs on the radio talking about how we're going to love each other like animals. But you are not a beast. You are a spirit created in the image of the Most High God. And when you fell from that place through sin, you were restored and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you've been brought back to your position, in fact, exalted above that position, by the blood of Jesus to be with Him in heavenly places. And so that spirit is more real than this physical body. And this physical body will go away, but the spirit never will. Make it so real to you, and it could be the thing that saves your life. If at the very least it's going to be the thing that gives you life, that you go through life just genuinely empowered, anointed in everyday life. But it could save your life as well. I told the Loon Lakers this story that many of you have heard. My father went to the Philippines for the first time in 1989. He went with the Spirit, right? He also went with another brother from from Lloyd Minster and, and as they went they did the works of Jesus I remember oh man great stories about big huge goiters falling off people's necks um, one one particular meeting and we've got pictures of it where he's just kind of basically standing up on a I don't know if it's a jeep or a box but there's just a crowd around him and uh, you know he lost control of the service he had to stop teaching because a lady got her eyesight that had been blind all her life and um, well there's not much you can do after that people go wild right because these are people that hadn't heard the gospel Muslims got saved the communists got saved it was a wonderful thing but when he's coming back you got to go back through Manila and um, so he's going back through Manila to, to fly to Seoul, Korea to fly home as he gets to the airport in Manila he is told by the lady at the counter I'm sorry, you can't get on this flight. There's a mistake. We can put you on tomorrow. My father was not a confrontational person. He's able to be patient. If they say we'll go tomorrow, and they, I mean, I'm sure he stood there for some time trying to work it out. Couldn't work it out. Okay, another day in the Philippines is not going to kill anybody. That's fine, right? As he walks away, the Holy Spirit says, get on that plane. You have a choice there. Do I fear God or do I fear man? Do I listen to the Holy Spirit who's with me to lead me and guide me? Or do I listen to that person who's very persuasive and very convincing and knows what they're doing? You see, when the Holy Spirit becomes real to us, He's the only one we care about. 
And if you conflict with the Holy Spirit, you lose. I listen to Him. So Dad, listen to the Holy Spirit. Now you may say, but, uh, but then I have to go back and look like the, the North American jerk that's always, uh, I want on the plane, I want a cheeseburger. You know, I mean, we don't want to be that person. We want to be nice. Right? We don't want to conflict. We, we don't want to make them upset. We want to be gentle and nice. And, and, and you know, this happens to us all the time. But you know, if the, the apostles were very gentle, meek, wonderful people, loving, but when you, when you stop the gospel... When they're told to preach, it doesn't matter. You see, they obeyed the law better than anybody else until the law says, don't preach. They're like, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's above my jurisdiction. You can't tell me not to preach because the Holy Spirit told me to preach. And the Holy Spirit told me to preach. He outranks you. So dad goes back to the counter. Says, I got to get on this plane. And, and the Lord made a way for them to get on that plane. The next day, the hotel they were staying in, Hotel Intercontinental in Manila, was taken over by rebels. And everyone in that hotel was taken hostage. Could have been killed. You don't have the option to say no to the Holy Spirit. He cares about you more than anyone else will. And when He becomes so real to you, you listen to Him before you listen to anyone else. You obey Him before you obey anybody else. Because He loves you. Now here's, here's the thing. He, let's not forget, Jesus said, better for you that I'm not here. Because if I'm not here, I send Him. In verse 8, He says, when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. So that's, that's what He's convicting them of, their unbelief. What, what does He convict you of? Because you obviously believe in Him, so what's He convicting you of? Well, Righteousness. This is what he says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. He says this, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have, since, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Listen to that in verse 12. He says, I've got many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This means I've got another book to write. I've got more teaching for you. But you can't hear it now. But what does he say? But. What does but mean? But means there is something coming up that stands against once I, what I just said. That there is a, there is a mitigating factor that's going to change everything. You can't hear what I have to say to you now. But when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you in all the truth. What does this mean? There's stuff the disciples could not learn while Jesus was physically with them. But there was things they could learn once He was in them. That when the Spirit came, they were going to be able to walk in truth that even Jesus could not teach them. Not because Jesus didn't know it, but that they could not hear it. You see, that's the difference. It's not that God doesn't know the answer. It's that without the Spirit, you can't hear the answer. It's not that Jesus didn't know what to teach them. It's that they could not hear it. But when the Spirit comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative. But whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will disclose to you what is to come. Who does that sound like? I don't speak on my initiative. Whatever I hear, I say. Who does that sound like? Jesus. It's the same Spirit. 
He says he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, listen to that, whatever he hears, do you think the Holy Spirit's going to hear a lot? Whatever he hears, he will disclose it to you. What is to come? Sorry, let, let me read that again. Whatever he hears, he will speak. The Holy Spirit's going to tell some secrets here. He's going to reveal to you things about Jesus and things about the Father that you could never grasp without Him. Whatever He hears, He will speak and He will disclose to you what is to come. That means that the Holy Spirit's not just telling you about what's going on right now or what happened before. He's not just explaining things to you. He's also showing you things that are to come. Now, can you expect... You say, well, I'm not a prophet. No, you may not be a prophet in your primary call, but you do have the spirit of prophecy in you. You've got the Holy Spirit that knows the future, and there are going to be times in your life where you have to know what is to come. Now, sure, we're talking about, yeah, well, of course, the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, but this more than that. Jesus knew things that he couldn't have known any other way. That same spirit's in you. He will disclose to you what is to come. Now listen to this. All things that the Father has are mine. Did you hear that? All things that the Father has are mine. Everything. There's nothing left out of that, right? He says, Therefore I said that He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. That means everything that the Father has, Jesus had. And everything that Jesus had, the Spirit is willing to disclose to you. Now you can't store all that knowledge in your brain because your brain's not big enough to hold an infinite God. But your Spirit is able to receive from the infinite God whatever you need to know, whenever you need to know it. But He's got to be real to you. You've got to communicate with the Spirit. You've got to listen to Him if He's going to disclose anything to you. Now, we're going to close with this. Look in Isaiah 11. We're... We're close. I want you to stay hooked into the Spirit of God because this is th these are things He wants to impart to your life. Because like I said, the pastor is not your Holy Spirit. Your teachers that you listen to on the internet or on CDs are not the Holy Spirit. Your buddies, your friends, they're not the Holy Spirit. Your parents are not the Holy Spirit. All of these people can be used by the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. You know, every book in the New Testament advocates teaching. Every single one of them. So when John says in 1 John, well, I shouldn't say every single one of them, but every writer in the New Testament advocates it. Let's just say that. So when John says in 1 John, you have no need for anyone to teach you for the, whole, for the anointing abides within and he will teach you all things. What's the anointing? The Holy Spirit, right? So he says, you've got no need for anyone to teach you for the Holy Spirit, the anointing abides within and will teach you all things. Is he saying you don't have any more teachers? No, but he's saying that what God does teach you, he's going to teach you by the Spirit. And anyone coming outside that Spirit has got nothing to say to you. We'll talk about that another time. Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to read the first three verses because, like I said, in Isaiah 11, Isaiah is, is prophesying of a broad view of the Messiah. Okay, he's not just talking about the Messiah's time on earth. He's also talking about when he comes back and sets up an earthly kingdom. Okay, he's, because in the big chunk of this chapter is talking about when he will rule with the rod of iron. When, when the lion will lay down with the lamb. Has anybody seen that happening lately? No. I mean, you could probably train a lion to be tame and not eat a lamb, but this is not going to happen in the wild. And a kid's not going to stick his hand in the adder's den and be fine.
This is going to happen when Jesus sets up a new kingdom. So Isaiah is looking at the Messiah from far back, okay? So you say, is this for today or is it for tomorrow? It's both. Because what he's talking about, he's going to talk about Messiah walking the earth and he's going to talk about Messiah setting up a kingdom. So just because you say, it's talking about the future, doesn't mean it's not talking about what Jesus was when he came. This is somebody standing far back and seeing everything the Messiah would be. Part of that was when he walked the earth. Part of that is when he's head of the church. And part of that is when he's going to set up that kingdom. Alright, so look at this. In chapter 11, verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Who is that? That's Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Is that the Spirit that you've received? Yes, it is. Here's what he is. He is the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit you've received is the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the ability to to go through and grasp that wisdom. He is the Spirit of counsel and strength. Listen to that. He is the Spirit of counsel. This is what you need in your life. You need the Spirit of counsel. You need the counselor to counsel you and tell you what to do. And you need it all the time. Just like if Jesus were physically walking around with you, you'd ask His advice for everything, wouldn't you? Same way He is a Spirit of counsel and strength. That means He's not only able to tell you what to do, He's able to empower you to do what He told you to do. He's the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Wow, that's cool, isn't it? What does that mean? That Holy Spirit's going to cause you to fear the Lord. What does that mean? To stand in reverence and awe of His greatness, that He becomes big in your mind. The more you fear the Lord, the bigger He is. That manifests itself in two ways. The bigger He is, the more you want to please Him. The more you want to do what He says. The more His opinion matters more than anyone else, right? If I fear the Lord, He's the only opinion I care about. The more I grasp His great love, the more I grasp how great of God He is and and really how great His love must be to come and live inside of someone like me. But also the fear of the Lord. The, The Scripture says that when you fear the Lord, you don't fear evil tidings. See, because He got bigger... I, I look to him first, but also because he got bigger, the enemies got smaller. The troubles got smaller. All the things that came against me got really small because I fear the Lord, and he's huge. It is the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see. Listen to that. This is what Jesus did. He did not judge by what his eyes saw. And this is what you've got to do. You don't judge what your eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. Now, once the Spirit becomes so real to you, you stop judging by what your eyes see, and you stop making decisions by what your ears hear. This is the role of the Spirit in your life, that you can turn these things off and go in here. Look inward to the Spirit. As I... Quit using my eyes 
to judge and I quit using my ears to make decisions and I start going to the Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord the spirit that causes me to delight in the fear of the Lord the spirit that causes me not to judge by what my eyes see nor make a decision by what my ears hear it's that spirit that is on me the next few verses begin to speak of what he will do when he reigns as king of kings now, he is king of kings right now, but there will be a time when every knee will bow. But this spirit is not a future spirit. This is the spirit that walked with Jesus as he walked the earth. That he said, I'm leaving with you. And you already know him because you saw him in me. Now, I want you to be able to say, every morning ask yourself this question, would it be better if Jesus were physically living in my basement? Ask yourself that question, because as long as you're answering yes, you may not be fully grasping how real the Holy Spirit is. Because Jesus may live in your basement, but instead He went to the Father and sent His Spirit to live in you. And you've got to follow Him like you'd follow Jesus. You've got to walk behind Him like you'd walk. You've got to do and go and say Whatever he says, this is how real he's meant to be to you. More real than physical Jesus walking around. Wow. This is who he is. Now, it's up to us to by faith receive what's promised. It's up to us to say, he has promised the Holy Spirit. Now, you have the Holy Spirit. I'm sure almost everybody in this room, if not all of you, have the Holy Spirit. It's up to you to acknowledge His presence in your life. Just like if Jesus were walking with you, you could ignore Him. You could go a different way. But boy, if you want life, if you want joy, if you want peace, you do what the Master says. You go with Him. You understand that He loves you. He loved you before you did anything for Him. He was pleased with you the moment you got born again. And yet, you want to do, some, you want to do the things that are pleasing in His eyes? You just follow. This is what He's asking you to do. Be a disciple. Follow me around. Go where I tell you to go. Lay hands on the people I tell you to lay hands on. Listen to me before you listen to your ears. Watch me before you watch with your eyes. And He'll be so real and so powerful in our lives. This is, this is, this is the end of, of doubt and unbelief is, is really letting the Holy Spirit be who He's supposed to be in your life. Stop acting like an orphan. What does an orphan do? They fend for themselves. They make their own decisions. They look out for themselves because they have to. You're not an orphan. Stop acting like orphans. Now if you say, I've never acted like an orphan, praise the Lord. Excel even more. Would you stand up? How real is the Holy Spirit in our lives? How real is Jesus to us. We tell ourselves everything would be different 
if we had if we had walked with Jesus as the disciples did but you've got something even better you have his spirit inside of you your relationship with Jesus is real You've got to abide in Him and He abide in you. You've got to let His words abide in you. You've got to let His love abide in you. But the channel that the Father uses, the channel that God uses to get everything you ever need is through the Holy Spirit. It is through His Spirit that He speaks to you. It is through His Spirit that He strengthens you. It is through His Spirit that He guides you. It is through His Spirit that He teaches you. It is by the Spirit... Let's make that Holy Spirit so real in our lives. Let's let Him be so real that we can truly say, it's better. It's better that we have Him. There's no friend in your life. There's no counselor. There's no teacher. There's no father. There's no mother that is as good, as knowing, as loving, as real, as true as the Holy Spirit that you've been given. What a gift. What a gift. Now, Lord, we... We acknowledge you. We acknowledge your lordship in our lives. We acknowledge that you are our Father. Oh, thank you for being our Father. We say right now that we are the children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. Oh, wow. And as your sons, you've given us a pledge. A seal that is the Holy Spirit. You've not left us as orphans. You've not left us fatherless, without guidance, without counsel. And we listen to you. 